This episode has been brought to you by Made With Rage. Made With Rage is a black British-owned Etsy store selling Harry Potter and Star Wars face masks, perfect for this current times, swimwear, bags, and loads more. All products have been handmade with love and care, and bespoke requests are welcome. To find out more, click on the link in the description, or visit etsy.com slash madewithrage0. You said you'd come. Lawrence, hope Hello everyone, welcome to episode number 85 of the Wulong Talks podcast. My name is Jason, I'm the host of the show, as you know by now, and I'm joined as always by the dynamite kid, <laughs> Rich Kid. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to find something to be clever to describe you as this week, Rich, but I'm running out of stuff, so yeah, just anyway. Just call me Squeaky. Rich just call, is just here. Just call me Squeaky. Just call me Squeaky, yeah? Squeaky, yeah. Uh, yeah squeaky yeah, works, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Squeaky works, whatever, man. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what's happening, listeners? Good to have you back, man. Yes, indeed. Good to have you back with us. Welcome. Uh, if you're joining us for the very first time, welcome. We are Wulong Talks. What we do here is we talk movies, comic books, gaming books, and all kinds of stuff to do uh, with pop culture. Um, now, we have a very, very special guest joining us today. Um, we're absolutely delighted to have her here with us. Um, it's been a long time coming, but finally we've managed to make it happen. So without further ado, welcome to uh, author, um, writer, uh, all-round good egg, Beverly Sanford. Hello. <laughs> Beverly, welcome to Wulong Talks Hi. and thank you for joining us. I'm so excited to be with you guys today. I've been waiting for this for like three years. <laughs> I know, I know. It feels like it's <laughs> taken ages to get you here. And um, I guess we, we've always kind of um, said, yeah, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. And then there's and then stuff there's just going on. And then there's pandemics going on and all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, life is, is, is just here. crazy like that, isn't it? I'm here and I'm going to try and make sense and, and not be too sweary and maybe say something interesting. Well, you can, away. yeah, yeah, I was going to say you can you can swear away, to be honest. I mean, there was a point on this podcast, I think, where um, a, a few years ago, we tried to run a swear jar to try and stop <laughs> ourselves from swearing. But it just got so ridiculous that in the end, we were just like, you know what, like, <laughs> let's just call it a day, because otherwise all this money that we've built up here is, <laughs> is, is making us all poor, <laughs> you know, mm, so mm, it's mm. making us all poor. Exactly. So let's just um, run with it and see what happens. Cool. Um, but as said, yeah, thank you very much for joining us, Bev. Um, it's it's, it's really, really great to have you on the podcast. So uh, today, listeners will um, be catching up with Bev a little bit. Um, she'll tell you a little bit about herself and um, what she does and how she does it. And hopefully we'll have a bit of fun as well and have a few fun questions and, and um, you know, maybe have a laugh and and hopefully by the end of the podcast you'll actually be converted fans to Bev's work if you aren't already um and be hunting her down so um yeah it should be awesome 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I, sh I shouldn't actually <laughs> <laughs> encourage people to actively hunt you down, but um, you know, certainly hunt down Bev's works. That that would be uh, that would be awesome. Um, and uh, Bev will let you know how you can check out uh, some of her latest work and, and all of that as well um, towards the end of the podcast. But uh, before we get into all of that, Bev, what we usually do is um, we usually just give a quick roundup of what we've been doing over the past week or, or the past time since we've recorded. Um, and that generally can be anything kind of uh, fun TV shows that you've watched or uh, movies that you've watched or video games that you've played or anything like that, really. Um, as you're the guest, I, I invite you to go first. So, Bev, have you been um, watching any cool movies or reading any good books this week? I have, actually. And you know what? I've been trying to get back into doing things like that that I love because I think for a while in lockdown, it's so easy to just watch really lame TV and not be able to focus on things. And I've talked to a lot of other people that said the same. They just watched like game shows or, or soap reruns or anything. So I've been trying to do more stuff that I love. So I've been watching a film that I really, really love, which is called Benny Loves You, which is an indie horror. It's like Chucky meets Ted. And it is the <laughs> film ever. Um, I think it's just literally about two weeks ago came out on most streaming platforms. I think I've, I've seen it on Virgin and stuff. So that's it's kind of basically about a, a crazy teddy bear. And it's it's an adult horror film. It's very cool. I recommend mm. that if you need to have a light afternoon. Um, I have been getting back into reading as well. I was reading like romance novels and stuff for ages just because it was completely different to anything else that I do. But this week mm. I've had quite a lot of sci-fi this week. So I've been reading a really, really great series called Space Team, which is like a comedy science fiction series. Um, not for the faint-hearted, but very, very fun to read. That's why it's also called uh, Barry Hutchison. And I have been, what else have I been? Oh, I've been reading Space Westerns. I started reading that a while ago, actually, a book called Cannonball Express, which is, um, they're all indie authors as well. That's like a space western with a really kick-ass, it's like Buffy in space. It's just mm. really, really cool. The really kick-ass heroine. Um, oh, that's what I've been getting into. There's so much good content out there, you know. There's so much. Mm. Uh, that's what I've been watching. I haven't seen The Mandalorian yet, you know, you guys. I'm like what? the biggest Star Wars fan in the world, and I still I haven't got Disney, so I can't. I haven't seen it. No, 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 no. no listen, sorry. I'm just. I'm going to cut in. I don't want to hear excuses. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> that's that's to you. That's to you, Jason. You're meant to, Jason, you're meant to screen people before we bring them onto the show. Screened <laughs> yeah? all your questions, right? They were all going to be like, <laughs> That's like all my hot sports. I'm watching a lot of crime as well. You know, I'm watching really late. Is the bridge. Which I really, I know it's not Ooh, like, cool yeah, stuff, yeah. But I'm I like trying that. to get into watching crime because I just mm. really like crime. It's just great, mm. it's juicy. Um, what else have I been watching? Oh, I watched Relic again recently. Have you guys seen that? No, what's, what's Relic? So good. It's an indie horror, um, Australian director, first time female Australian director. And it's um, it's like a kind of dual narrative. So it's, I won't give the plot away at all because it will ruin it, but it's one of those, you know, like the Babadook and stuff like that. So you don't really know. Oh, yeah whether it's the real horror or whether it's psychological it's like that yeah. that's just been released as well it's been doing the festivals for a while that's okay. amazing it's called relic it's really 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 good highly recommend that what else have i been reading oh i read a really great series um recently called earth song which i think it's about six books in now that's like kick-ass ya science fiction again really fun really easy to read um it's called the earth song series i think I think I just read the last one called Earth Howl. That's really, really good. That's what I read. I've been doing a lot more reading than watching, actually, because I just find if I sit in front of the TV, I just watch anything that's on. Yeah. I don't mm. know if that happens to you guys, but I do mm. that a lot right mm. now. Um, a 
think that's um, I think that's all I've read in the past few weeks. And I have a big reading pile. I have a lot, a lot of horror I want to read. Okay. Okay. Oh, cool. I'm cool. Because I don't have Disney, I feel like I'm behind in everything good right now because I don't have any access to any of the MCU shows or anything. Oh, uh, right. That, that, I mean, well, I mean, to be fair, you've only you're only missing one division at the moment. I really want to um, see that. Uh, I, I mean, I mean, the, the, I mean, I'm not that we're trying to, not that we ever advocate this type of thing, but you know, we can get you episodes <laughs> of one <laughs> division. You know, if you if, if you don't want to, um, if you don't have access to um to to the House of Mouse, um, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about the offshore in a bit. <laughs> I'm really pissed one division though because they're two of my favourite characters from the MCU. Both of them, I love them. Oh, okay. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, I think you'd really enjoy the show as well. I mean, what we've been doing on the podcast is we've been kind of going over them episode by episode. Um, yeah. It's a bit spoilery, so I probably wouldn't listen yeah. to any of those episodes if you haven't seen any of, of I did, the... I mentioned one, actually, and I did avoid mm. that for that reason. Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a good idea probably not to, because it does get, as said, a bit spoilery in terms of our discussions. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, Vision's amazing. And, I mean, for me, this week... I, I've been slammed by my day job, so I've really not had time um, to to kind of watch anything. Well, it's not even that I don't have time. The the problem that I've had during lockdown quite a bit is that I find it difficult to concentrate. So I'll start a book and then I'll only get two chapters in, put it down and then don't pick it up again. And then I'll turn on the TV and go, oh, let me watch this. And then I'll watch 10, 15 minutes of a thing and then I'll get distracted by another thing. Um, and then, and that's in between Quincy watching Sesame Street incessantly at the moment. I've been trying to get him back into the anime groove because there's, you know, over the past year, we, we, he and I have kind of been discovering anime together and, oh, and, so and watching cool. different um, shows and stuff. Um, but he seems to have kind of like lost interest now and he's now all about Sesame Street now. And I'm like, oh, oh, Sesame I'm best. so upset. I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I, love, I like Sesame Street, but I really felt we were kind of <laughs> bonding and like, we were on the on, path to... <laughs> making him a, a young otaku and it, it just hasn't <laughs> happened like he, he's just gone nope i want this elmo stuff put on elmo so <laughs> for ghibli yeah yeah like ghibli stuff um which uh ghibli has he seen already oh. he's seen uh how's moving castle he's seen <gasps> oh, um so and uh what was the other one i showed there was another one that we kind of sat through and oh, we, oh, i've forgotten which it was now um Oh, my neighbor Totoro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My neighbor Totoro was yes. was the other one. Um, I I want to show him Porco Rosso because that's yeah. like one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. um, but yeah, as I said, I'm I'm having difficulty keeping his attention span at the moment. So um, yeah, it's been difficult. But but yeah, aside from kind of catching up with One Division, there hasn't been a lot I've been able to watch apart from my usual kind of uh, murder porn, true crime, um, oh, TV shows. Really. You're into crime. Yes, I, and I feel like horrible about it, but at the same time, I love it, so I don't feel horrible. It's 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 a strange, it's a strange kind of mindset to have, but um, yeah, I I really love like I I watch a show called um, The First Forty Eight, um, which is like following police detectives in uh, various parts of the United States, and it's um, it follows them for forty eight hours after a crime has been committed, um, because in kind of police parlance the first 48 hours is the key period to to solving a crime um basically if you don't pick up enough evidence to to solve the crime in in within that first 48 hours then it 
ultimately ends up going unsolved. Mm. Um, and with a lot of the episodes there, there, there isn't like a, a clean resolution. You don't see the bad guy getting caught and arrested and stuff. There's a lot of times where, um, yeah, they're just not able to, to solve the case and it, and it drags on or, or goes cold. So um, I can't handle that. I'd like, I want my resolution. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You, you, you do, you, you know, there's part of your brain that is like, no, I need a, a resolution to this. I need yeah. to know, like, what, what happened. But, you know, it, it's, um, I'm it is it very out. much a, a, a slice of, of real life in that regard. So um, it's it's awesome because it, it just it just ticks every, like, cop cliche box in the book. Like, all the cops drink, do- drink tea, um, coffee, eat donuts all day. Uh, curse at each other all day, uh, then drive to the, the the crime scene in their beat up automobile. Come out, you know, smoking fags around the crime scene. Then we'll start interviewing people and stuff like that. It's just and you, yeah, and you 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 kind of think like, oh, so like NYPD Blue and all of that. They were actually they were pretty accurate with this stuff. <laughs> like the whole time sitting in their cars. Like, yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. so um yeah that that's largely kind of what i've been doing really but um yeah i would definitely say uh, watch the first 48 bev you'll you'll like it you know i just remembered another show that you've just made me think of with that conversation that i started watching last year and stopped and i need to go back to which is dark and i'm only on season two ah yeah i've heard about that do you know i'm really intimidated by that show (laughs) because because everybody i know has, has said like I can't tell what's going on. Like I started this, but I can't tell what's going on. No, no, you can. It's just, you just got to really pay attention. I think that's Mm. why it's hard when you've got something like lockdown because, because I think everyone's affected by this concentration issue. We're all having trouble focusing. And if you Mm. don't watch it for a couple of weeks, you've got to go right back again because you can't remember otherwise. (laughs) So layered. Oh, it's amazing. But um, I've got to start from the beginning again. Yeah, definitely. Well, I I will make some time for dark then on your recommendation. um, I'll do first 48 and you can do dark. Yes, definitely. That's a deal. And we'll report back on that. Yes. Uh, Rich, how about you, man? What have you been up to? Uh, you know what? I, I rewatched the Megalobox again. That's what I did. Oh, um, okay. Cool, I, cool. I, yeah, yeah. I remember, because I, I, uh, well, season two has been announced. It's, it's going to be coming out in April hmm. um, uh, back in Japan. But um, but I, I, I did mention the podcast. I don't know if I've told you, but like I'm, I've really got back into like my training as well. Hmm. So um, yeah. So like I'm, I'm that that type of I'm that type of person. Whereas like I've got quite a one track mind. So once I decide to do one thing, everything else that I do has to in some way you know be kind of linked. So right now I'm literally like just waking up and just training, homeschooling of the boy, going back to training, and then anything I'm watching on TV is like, you know, whether it's be anime or like a like a program or a film, it's just to do with fighting. It's not that because right. I'm angry. It's just that I like <laughs> to fight, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah, so that, um, yeah, so I'll be watching Megalobox again. And it's just an amazing show, man. Like, I'm mm, not sure if I've mm. spoken about it before. Maybe I have mentioned it, but it's just it's just an amazing anime. And, um, and I haven't felt as happy about an anime like this since, um, since Cowboy Bebop or Samurai Champloo. And that's mm. saying a lot for me. Anybody who listens to the show know that knows that I'm a I'm a massive fan of um Watanabe's work, especially those two. And um and yeah, Megalobox is, is definitely definitely up there for me. Um in regards to reading, um once again, like I said, because I'm back onto my, my whole training thing, I, I usually reread um this this book once a year. Um and Jason, I, I'm not sure if you've read it yet, although I have borrowed you the copy before, but it's um Kung Fu High School by Ryan Gattis. 
Oh, oh no, I haven't yet, mate. It's one of them books that I've, I picked up. I read the first couple of pages and were like, "Yeah, this is all right. I'll come back to this." And then never did. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's basically a, it's a novel by Ryan Gattis, and it's it's almost like it's uh, it's just about this alternate reality where it's set in a high school where there's different gangs in a high school, and each gang has some form of like master in um, uh, some form of contact sport. Uh, so one does capoeira, one does boxing, one does kung fu, and then there's this whole subplot in regards to like how the school is being run by this drug dealer, and he uses the people in the school or the children in the school to run the drugs for him. And the main character, who's a girl called Jenny, her cousin called Jimmy Chang, comes to live with her. It's, it's basically set up like a, a love story in a Tarantino type of universe, stroke battle royale with Bruce Lee as the supporting character, but he's the one that you really want to see get everything done. It, it's, it's just a violent, it's, 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 a beautifully, it's a beautifully violent book. Um, that's the best way to put it. The, the guy who wrote it, Ryan Gattis, uh, when he wrote the book, he's a fan of martial arts and of contact sport, but he has quite a few friends in the medical industry as well. So what he did is that he got people that he knew how to fight and people that he knew in the medical industry and he got them together. And he basically said that, you know what? What would happen if somebody did, somebody did a fly kick from this distance and they then sat down and were like, well, from this distance at this speed, if it hit this part of the body and it was, and it was connected to this part, it would cause this amount of damage. So as much as he goes into like super, super graphic detail, it works within the confines of, of the universe that he's created. But um, I, I just like to read it, you know, like this once a year, just because I think it's so well put together. Um yeah that's it really to be honest i've been running another podcast um and we did our final episode for season one yesterday called um danger room analysis which i do with um alvin who's also been a guest on this show um and we start our season two and i think in in two weeks um yeah that's it i haven't really been up to much it sounds like a lot but it's not <laughs> <laughs> like you're for training and everything that sounds like way more than i'm doing <laughs> in the house that's yeah. incredible Rich is like the energizer buddy. He just keeps going yeah. and going He's, and going and that. going. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does. He really does. Well, cool. Thanks, guys. Uh, thank you for the, the little updates there. Hopefully, listeners, you've got um, a few recommendations there. Bev has made some really cool ones, actually, there as well for, for you to check out movies and books. So um, check those out. And, um, yeah, let us know if you do check out any of those uh, recommendations and let us know what you think of them and, and stuff like that all right uh let's get to know bev a little better oh no <laughs> so here comes the pressure dun, dun, dun. <laughs> um well bev i mean uh first of all i guess the obvious question is um who are you <laughs> and why are you here <laughs> who am i okay so oh wow I've never been asked that before. I'm feeling a bit existential. It's a bit weird. Um, <laughs> I'm an author, apparently. That's what I, do. I have to keep telling people this. It's such a weird thing to get used to when you actually get published and you have to start saying, I'm an author and that's my job because it never feels like mm. a job. It feels like you're a fraud. It's a really weird thing. <laughs> um, so I'm an author and I've written for children and I guess young adults for about, I guess I've always written, but I've only been doing it professionally for maybe five or six years. So I had uh, three books out, first of all, for teenagers. I had a couple of non-fictions out and they were really nice to have. They were like my first foot in the door, if you like. And then I got Doctor Who. 
so now I'm a Doctor Who author. So I've got to say that a few times to let that sink in. <laughs> I'm a Doctor Who author. Um, I've done that for a couple of years now. I have two Doctor Who books out. Um, they're not actually all mine. I should, I've got to stop saying that because then I share them with several other authors. So they're anthologies, mm. Doctor Who stories. And I have a story in each. One came out two years ago and one came out uh, oh, last year in the middle of lockdown. That's right. It came out in the middle of lockdown. How could I forget? Um, I also write films. So I have my first screenplay commission has just come along a few years ago. Um, and I'm still working on that at the moment. That's a horror film. Um, what else do I do? Do you, do you want me to tell you what else I do apart from like professional stuff? Oh, well, yeah, go as far as you, you want to go. Yeah, really. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take us down the rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole then. Yeah, yeah. Let's see. Let's see how deep the rabbit hole goes. <laughs> I don't know. It's just because I think sometimes I think it probably is going to be taken care of for one of your other questions. But people always seem to want to know what you do when you're an author as well. Like, because I think if you don't know about that industry, you might think that all we get to do is write all day and just sit here with like with our feet up, drinking tea and reading books. And we don't. Most people I know, we have to have another job as well because it doesn't really, it's not going to get you a mansion anytime soon. Um, so I'm a copywriter and I do social media during the day as well for Red Bull. Mm. So that's actually quite oh. fun. That actually gives me a good kind of understanding of, of kind of the community out there and talking to people all day long, which is quite useful when you're writing books, actually. Just gives you a good build of writing skills really yeah awesome okay. awesome um am i right in saying that sometimes you cover uh the motorsport events um for red bull as well yeah what i do is um because i work for two bits of red bull and, and it's freelance as well i'm not actually an employee but um one side of it i deal with the fan merchandise and the community management talking to fans and the other side of it i do actually work for formula one team as well so mm. it's, it's more that it's more copywriting more fan engagement right so I never get to go to the races. I've been a Formula One fan since I was like seven and I've never been mm. to a race, which is oh, also because no. I work covering the race weekends as well. There's something that happens on the website. So I can't be at the race and do that. I have to be in front of a computer and in front of a TV to do that. Mm. They're all having fun without me. Oh, man, that, that absolutely sucks. <laughs> that really okay, does it, suck. Make, it makes sense then. <laughs> no, because like, I, I was looking, like, obviously on your Twitter, it, like, I'm just, I just brought it up again just because uh, it says like author and screenwriter and then writer, editor and social media in F1 yeah. film fe- fiction. Not. Yeah. And I, and I was like, I was just like, what the fuck is F1? Like F1 film and fiction. I know film, I know fiction. What the fuck What's is F1? F1? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's that key on your keyboard, Rich, the one that you never press. Yeah, you know those yeah. ones at the top that you never press? <laughs> yeah. is that one? I'm sorry, knowing, like abbreviating it myself, you're right. I never think of the fact that people might not know what it is. Maybe I need to change that. Maybe more people will talk to me. No, no, I knew what F1 is, but yeah. for some reason, reason, I just didn't put right, like, like you said, like a lot of people just think that if you're a writer, that, that, that's all that you do, you just write the books and that's yeah. it. So like already I had that disconnect and then it's like writer, editor and social media. I'm like, okay, cool, social media, I know what that is. And then film and then fiction. And I'm like, but why is F1 in there? So like I automatically didn't see what to do with cars. An orphan as well. If you look at like everything that else I do, it's all like horror, sci-fi, everything else on there. It was, it's it's such a random thing to have. Yeah. (laughs) I do get that a lot. I always get cab drivers being like, oh, work in motorsport, do you? And you're like, all right, I'm sorry. I'm a girl and I work in motorsport. (laughs) so awful <laughs> how dare i know about cars going around a track you know so, <laughs> yeah well it goes, it goes in a circle you put down and it goes in a circle what the fuck is easy, <laughs> easy. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, cabbies, we we love you, cabbies. But my goodness, I've had some um, conversations in the back of that cabs before, so so it doesn't surprise me at all to hear that. But um, yeah, there we go. Not dissing cabbies, I love you, cabbies. If you're listening, no, 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 you do, you do, you do a good service for us all. So yeah, we're not we're not having a go. We're not having a go. Just maybe, maybe tone tone it down a bit. That's (laughs) um, Rich. Did you want to ask Bev our first question? Yeah, cool. Okay, let's do it. Uh, all right. So, what were or what were some of the biggest challenges you faced? Okay, you're not fat. You, you need to plug your book, man. You I know. I'm really bad book. at it. Honestly, you wouldn't think I was an author. I'm so bad at it. <laughs> I got this really good advice that um, every year I go to something called the London Screenwriters Festival, which is organised mm-hmm. by a bunch of people, and it's really great. They always have great, great guests and stuff. And they had the uh, person that created Death in Paradise came and talked to us all, and he said he'd. Uh, gone to America and gone to writers rooms in America and he said you know British writers we're so rubbish at plugging ourselves we're almost like I'm so sorry I'm an author I'm so sorry I wrote something I'm so sorry I'm successful in America apparently mm. like, hey I'm a writer listen to me guess what I do I'm a writer and we don't do it over here and I, I always mean to kind of be a bit more like that but it's actually quite hard because we're automatically quite humble aren't we over here I think we're just like... yeah we're just, we're just we're just a country full of like Hugh Grants from the 90s <laughs> <laughs> like, just, just, like, oh sorry I really oh, oh oh sorry I didn't mean to fumble at that yeah like no That's send so your shit <laughs> bad about it. it's very hard actually um so yeah okay so selling the book so I have the two Doctor Who books I have um the first one my very first Doctor Who which I'm very proud of was um quite special because it was called the Target Storybook and Target for anyone that doesn't know when Doctor Who wasn't on the air, which I guess some listeners might not remember because it was a long, long time ago, but it had a huge gap in the 80s and 90s before it was brought back with Christopher Eccleston. And Mm -hmm. Target basically always filled in the gap. So if there was, you know what it was like when we were younger, if you missed something on the TV, unless you recorded it on VHS, you never saw it again. That was the only time you could watch it. So that's what it was like for Doctor Who fans because if you didn't record your episode of Doctor Who with Tom Baker or whatever, you were never gonna see it again. So Target novelized every episode um, or nearly every episode I think and so there's hundreds and hundreds of these books and they have these really definitive covers and logos on the side and then they hadn't been any for a long time so the target storybook was meant to be a collection of stories under that banner so it was like old school feeling and there was a story for every doctor throughout Doctor Who's history and of course the newer ones as well so it was like a real moment for the fans to have this special kind of um, book series back again. So it was very, very mm. nice to ask to contribute a story. And when they asked me, I was like, I can't do that. I've been a Doctor Who fan my whole life. I can't write a Doctor Who. How do you even write a Doctor Who? So it took a lot of pushing for me to actually have the confidence to do it. Um, but yeah, no, so that was nice. I got to write for Peter Capaldi, um, which if they don't, you don't get to pick your Doctor. They tell you which Doctor you're writing for. And I wouldn't necessarily have picked him because he wasn't the Doctor that I knew well enough. But actually, as it turns mm. out, I'm really glad that I did. He was the most fun to write for. I was actually just looking at some reviews yesterday before you guys were doing this so that I could like see how people thought about the book and it's actually really been well received by a lot of people it's really nice no one's slagged off my books yet which is good anyway awesome mm-hmm. awesome, um, awesome. But so that was the first one and then with Dr. Hill so you just hope that they like what you've done and maybe they'll ask you back so about a year later I got another call saying we're going to do another collection of stories not not another target one but one about the master um, who had just been brought back to the tv and I didn't, I've always wanted to write for the master and particularly one of the actors I'd always wanted to write for John Sim playing the master because I just think he was fantastic in the role and they let me do it. They yeah. were like, do you want to write for John Sim? I was like, yes, please, 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 I'll pay you to let me do it. 
Um, <laughs> so that was the last one. And that was even more pressure, actually, because it was somebody I really wanted to write for, particularly. I think that was actually harder in a way because you really hope that you do someone's work justice as an actor as well. It's beyond just being a story, you know. So, But that was the last one. That's the one that came out last end of last year. And that's I Am The Master. So it's a collection. Awesome. I think it's six stories about the different incarnations of the master. Yeah. Are you guys okay. Doctor Who fans? Uh, I have to hold my hands up and say I am not. Um, uh, I have never got on with Doctor Who at all. I don't know why. I've tried many, many times over the years. Um, yeah. Even going back to, um, oh God, what's, what's his name, Rich? Um, not uh, John Pertwee, after him. The, the guy who's after him. Oh, that's, that's Colin, that's not, is that Colin Baker? No, that's Tom, Tom Baker. Baker. Tom Baker, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even going sort of going back to um, Tom Baker uh, in, in his time, like you know, I really did try, but for some reason, I just couldn't get on with Doctor Who. I, I don't know why, because I, I love sci- sci-fi, um, but for some reason, it just never. It's just the one franchise that's always eluded me, <laughs> and I've never yes, really connected. No time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there's never, yeah, it's never too late to um to take on anything new. So, yeah, it's one of those things that maybe I'll I'll um I'll dip another toe in and and see how I get on with it. But I mean, I could recommend starting with a short story collection. Well, yeah, please do. <laughs> <laughs> you're selling it. Please do. You guys to do my PR for me. It will work out fine. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, Doctor Who, have, we, have I ever been? I mean, I, to be fair, you know, I, I I have been a Doctor Who fan. I haven't been a Doctor Who fan in the past few years, to be honest. But mm-hmm. I, I am one of those ones that I did watch the old ones and I do remember like the Doctor Who magazine coming out in the 80s. Um, they still do. And, and, uh, and yeah, I, I, like I said, I, but I was one of those kids and I, and I still am that type of person where like when I find some, when I find something, I have to find everything about it, and I yeah, just yeah. just look. You know, I just need to indulge in it. So um, I I, m- I remember growing up with John Pertwee. I remember growing up with Tom Baker, um, Peter Davison, Colin Baker. That was you know Doctor. See my 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 main Doctor that I grew up with properly that I actually remember going, like I I always break it down to like periods in my life. So mm-hmm. I remember being able to tell the time and going. I am going to watch this program at this at this time, and it would have been Sylvester McCoy. That was my my true my true doctor. So that, that's that's who I grew up with. But pardon? He's lovely, so nice. Yeah, he, he just he just seems like a, such a nice guy in real life as well. You know, Sylvester McCoy. You know, he's cool. um, and so yeah, and so like, and then and I think he easily had. I think he might have easily had one of the best assistants. Um, you know, yes. in like who I think is forgotten in Ace. Oh, she's um, not forgotten. Yeah, who I and I used to have a massive crush on her as well when I was a kid. Um, right. I don't know, like yeah, she was just like that that whole tomboy vibe thing. I don't know what's happening there, but um, uh, but yeah, but I mean, like I've delved in and out with with the with Doctor Who. Obviously, I was I, I did watch um, Eccleston and I did watch um, uh, what's his name Tennant. Uh, I didn't mind Big Head Matt Smith, <laughs> but then anybody but anybody after that, I just kind of just fell off to be honest. So like I think the thing that I find fascinating about Doctor Who is that. You can be a fan of Doctor Who and watch everything, and mm. then you can also be a fan of the person who's playing Doctor Who. And once yeah. that person leaves, you're just kind of just like, now nah, I'm kind of done. I'll come back when they change him or change her, should I say, as well. I love that you had a crush on Sophie Aldred as Ace because I did too when I was in school. Like her and Princess Leia were like my hero. Oh, and Chitara from Tony. Oh, they were like my hero. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> he actually had a book out not that long ago. There's a book written from 
Pace's perspective, but Sophie Aldred wrote it. That came out okay. last year. So I think it was last year. I don't even know what year we're in anymore, but I think it was last year. Um, yeah, no, she's huge, actually. She's, the fans are still so dedicated to her. She was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. yeah. If they're listening, I want to write for her. Yes, please make it happen. Make it happen. <laughs> yes, all, all publishers out there, make it happen. All right. Okay. All right. So uh, the actual question is: What were some of the biggest challenges you faced in writing? I am the master. Okay. First challenge with anything you ever write is: Oh shit, I can't do it. Um, because I, I think we automatically do that as writers. You get this wonderful opportunity and you go, great, I've got the opportunity. And then you sit down and go, I can't write anything. Nobody likes anything I've written. I don't even know how to string a sentence together. So that's the first mm. challenge. You have to get over that really fast, you have to, especially with Doctor Who, because the deadlines are really tight. So you might get asked like the Monday to ask uh, to come up with a, an idea for a story and you might have to get that back the same day. And then you have to go through, you have to get past your editor. And they're, they're, they know what they're doing with uh, Doctor Who, the editors. So you have to get your idea past them and you'll think you've got the best idea in the world. And they'll go, yeah, but that interferes with this episode where this happened or this is going to happen in a future episode. So you can't do it. So the hurdles at the start are already if your idea fits into the canon, fits into the plans for the show, doesn't contradict anything that's already happened. So that's the first hurdle. Um, the other hurdles are really just making sure that you stay true to something that you really love that much. I think when you write something that's your own universe, you can do what you like with it because it's your rules. But when you're in somebody mm. else's sandbox, you have so many other things to consider. So you almost end up not writing, first of all, what you want to write. You have to kind of shake all that off and just think, no, I just have to enjoy what I'm doing. Because if you don't enjoy what you're writing, the reader's never going to enjoy it. So I think it's kind of shaking off what it is and just treating it like any other story has to be the first hurdle to get over. With this one, I was a bit more comfortable because I'd done one before. Um, but again, it was still making sure I listened to uh, John Sims' authentic voice as the master because every master has a very different way of portraying it and they've got very different mm. personalities. And his was so specific. That's why I wanted to write from because he was just so much fun and he was so dishy in the role anyway. Um, so I had to go over that as well. I had to go over kind of the fact that I was madly in love with the character I was writing. So yeah. I had to go over that a bit. Um, but I think it's just making sure that you're true to it. And that's once you know you've done that authentically, the next hurdle is, is getting over any feedback on it and just taking it on the chin and doing the changes that they want and kind of remembering it's not really your baby. It belongs to them and it belongs to everyone because it's locked here. That's another hurdle. Okay. Not be precious about it. And if some, if you think you put in the best, I'm, I'm terrible for this. You have to kill your babies every time. Like I always put in something and I'm like, no, I really want to keep this line. It's so funny. And they're like, yeah, we're cutting that out. And you're like, no. And then you have to use <laughs> the battles because you can't be precious and they know better than you do. They've been with the show forever. You know? Oh, yeah. okay. And then the, the, other challenge, the other challenge actually is thinking about um, is not panicking too much about what Doctor Who fans will think because we're all Doctor Who fans that write for the show. We're not for the show, write for the books anyway. We're certainly huge fans ourselves. Um, so you have to try hard not to think, oh, but someone's going to hate this or this isn't what I think somebody would like John Zim to do as the master. You have to just be true to what you think they should do. Yeah. Oh. If that makes I, sense. I was, I was, yeah, no, that makes sense. I, I was always a bit upset that, that John, I mean, John Sim did, did, does, does actually do an amazing job as the master. But I was always upset that he was the master because I, I always thought that he would have been in running to be one of the doctors, one of the Being incarnations good. of the doctor. But you know, like, I, you know, like, sorry, go, go, go. go. No, no, go, go. Uh, no, 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 you go, you go. You're, you're the guest, you're the guest, you go. 
I was just thinking ahead. Sorry, I'm, I, my brain runs ahead of me so fast. Um, I was just thinking Sasha Dewan, who is the most recent incarnation of the master. I think everybody was like, oh, he would have made an amazing doctor. But when you see him as the master, you're like, no, no, we'd have been robbed if he hadn't been the master because he's so mm. good. He's just got so much energy on screen. And I think John Sims kind of the same. Like he would have been a wonderful doctor, but it's so much more fun to watch him being this evil. Just to ham it up Enjoy. type of thing. Yeah, and I yeah, had to rewatch yeah. all of his episodes again just to write this book, and I and I, I must have watched them like two or three times each just because I wanted to, just because it was just such a joy to watch him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that 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 definitely that definitely makes sense. Um, it, like I don't know his his doctor, um, Sas- Sasha's doctor. I mean, I haven't seen it as of yet, but but he was in the show that um that we watched called Iron Fists, oh, and um he he was. Yeah, he was there. Yeah, you know, you're not missing. You've heard a bit, but you haven't watched it. You're not missing anything. Um, <laughs> um, and 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 when and when he was basically being like quite menacing and mean and that, he 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 did a really good job. He was easily one of the best things in the season two of that. So just so when I did hear that he was playing the doctor, like even though I haven't watched it yet, he was one of the reasons why I said, okay, cool, I do need to go and watch some of the episodes he's been in because. He is someone that is is easily capable of, of just being that you know that see you next Tuesday if, if need. He really is. He's really menacing, and he's so nice from what I can see. Everywhere else you see him interviewed and stuff, he's so lovely. So you're like, mm, how, mm. I don't know how they do it. I think they must really enjoy it because I, I know that um, when I wrote um, the first Doctor Who book, I also got to write, and it won't be a massive spoiler because it's been out for a couple of years. But I didn't just write for Doctor. I wrote for Missy, so I wrote for the female incarnation of the Master. For that okay. As well. So I've now written for both of them, and they're so different. And I think she's menacing michelle gomez is incredible anyway um but i have she's menacing in a whole different way and that is another challenge actually is getting that menace right because it's one thing to write the doctor the doctor's got a very particular set of nuances but he's mostly got these core values that you adhere to with the master he's unpredictable he can do literally anything and it's getting that mm. menace level bang on for each incarnation and writing for sasha darwan would it be would be incredible but really really tough i think because he's so specific in that role yeah, all yeah. the things that he does himself that make it so special. You have to watch it; you'll love it. It's cool. Okay, okay, definitely, definitely, definitely gonna watch that. Just you know, I might have a start it tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Today. <laughs> there you go. Our, our watch list is just growing and growing and growing as, exactly. <laughs> as this recording is going on. I'm just thinking, like, oh gosh, there's so much stuff I'm gonna have to to make some time to catch up on, and I'm like, where I'm gonna find all of this time to do all of this when I struggle to follow even the simplest of things at the moment? I don't know, but, <laughs> but yeah, I will um, definitely make some time to check that out as well. Um, Bev, I wanted to ask, can you remember the first book that you read? I love this question because I know that I could read before I went to school. So I was obviously reading picture books before I went to school. Hmm. Um, Oh, you know what? I read so early. I was reading much bigger books really early on. I read in all the Inner Blightons. I read all of those. We had them everywhere in my house. And then I moved mm. very quickly on to, I was a big fan of like TV tie-ins and stuff. So I've still, I'm actually looking at them right now when I'm talking to you. I've still got all my old TV tie-ins for like oh, wow. Pink and Dead Poets and the Black Cauldron and that kind of stuff. So I read a lot of that. When I was at school, I don't know if you guys are the same rough age as me, but we had like a book club that you could order books from. You get these yeah. little bits. It was like mm. the Tip Club and the Lucky Club, I think, in East London. That we had. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, then, I remember those. Okay, so we had those too. So I would just order stuff out of there, but there were always books around. So it's really difficult to pinpoint. I'm just looking, you know what? I'm looking at my shelf right now. And if it wasn't Roald Dahl, then I think the first big book I probably read was a book called, I'm just looking at it, called Goblin, you know, The Witch's Cat, which is like a fantasy book about a cat. 
I'm just looking at it. That must, it's really old. It must have been one of my first ones. Oh, yeah. wow. Mm. But Roald Dahl, I particularly remember, I loved Roald Dahl as a kid. And I always remember being really, I think one of the first books I remember reading by myself was definitely Roald Dahl. I can remember getting to the end of The Witches and the BFG by myself and being really pleased that I'd done it all without any help. Mm. But I did a quick jump from nice. I went I went literally from Roald Dahl and, and uh, Sweet Valley High straight to Stephen King. So it was a bit of a jump. <laughs> like nine. So. Do you know, it's it's funny because my um, my reading experience was a, lo a lot like yours. I mean, the, the first book I remember I can remember reading by myself um, was a children's book um, featuring two characters called Bangers and Mash. Um, who were two match. chimpanzee brothers, <laughs> and um, they lived with their uh, their mum and their dad in like a treetop house, and they used to kind of get up to, to all these kinds of um, scrapes and, and shenanigans. And I, it, it's one of the the earliest memories I have is sitting in nursery on the carpet with a book. Um, one of the books was called I think the Hat Trick. And it's where Bangers gets his mum's hat and puts it on. And then um, he, from what I remember, he hides something in the hat. Um, and I think it was like uh, mum's jelly or something like that he put in the hat. <laughs> and then mum comes home and finds him with the hat on, whacks him over the head and the jelly gets splattered all over his face. And um, yeah, Mash, his brother, ends up laughing at him. But um, <laughs> those were the first books that I remember kind of reading. And then from the moment I kind of realized that I could read independently and, and could do these things by myself, then I just became a sponge and started hoovering up everything. And yeah. so I went from kind of, uh, as I said, from children's books to when I turned about six or seven, I started to read Tintin, um, Hergé's uh, Tintin, and, and then uh, the, the graphic novels for that, and then Asterix and Obelix. Mm -hmm. um, and then from there, I went on to uh, Tolkien and I read The Lord of the Rings. Um, and then from the Lord of the Rings, I got bored with that. And then I'd start reading my sister's book. So I'd read, I, I've read a whole heap of Sweet Valley High as well. Because <laughs> I was just like, yeah, yeah. I could I've literally, we could record a whole podcast about I've all the Sweet Valley High books that I've read. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, I said, I, I just became a sponge and was just like, I need to read more. I need to read more. I need to read more. So I'd just read whatever was there. Um, I can clearly remember being about seven or eight and reading a Sidney Sheldon book that my mum had um, that was entirely inappropriate for me. I also yeah. read a Jilly Cooper book that was entirely inappropriate for me at that age. <laughs> and, uh, and I recall, I can recall very vividly reading that and, and saying to my mum, mum, what does it mean when it says that she kissed his sex? <laughs> and they're getting a flying slipper to the face shortly after that like what were you doing like, who told you to touch those books um but yeah the earliest kind of memory of a book for me would would be um yeah would be bangers and mash really um rich what, what was it for you that that kind of got you started to, to be honest it, um like like i said i think it's, it's just a running theme you know what like we're, we're all kind of roughly the, the same age and i think there's the running theme is that there was an abundance of books as compared to now like everything's digital and everything mm -hmm. um so like the like, same for me there was, there was always books around but um I, i've never not there isn't a memory of when i didn't know how to read I actually like from what i've been told and what i can remember I've, I've, i learned to read i think roughly around 
the three, four years old type of mark. So I would just literally just read anything and everything. Whereas like Bev, like you said, you know, you you would just read like the TV times or like like I, w- I would do the same thing. Like I would go to people's houses and if I was bored, I would go and read the newspaper from front page to the back page. Yeah. And just wanted to read and read everything. Same. And it's something that um um and, and I used to think it was weird, or sometimes I think, yeah. you know, when you have a memory, you think maybe you've kind of made it up. But then when my son started learning how to read, which roughly would have been around the three, three year old or three years old mark, which is quite a bit of a smart fucker. Um, it was the same <laughs> thing where we'd where we'd literally just be walking. And he'd just read everything. And just by chance, my sister said something yesterday where she was like, do you remember that time when I took Luca somewhere and I called you up and I was angry? And I was like, why? And she was like, because he told me off. And I was like, why did he tell you off? And she's like, yeah, because we were parking up somewhere and it said a sign and it said no parking. And he went, auntie, it says no parking. Oh, and he must have been something like three years old or something like that. <laughs> and she was like, Luca, I know I can't park here. Don't stop. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so but I just remember just reading anything and everything um, my earliest remember of actually reading something and enjoying it probably would have been a Superman comic book or an Incredible Hulk comic book. But um, I actually remember reading so much that the books we were reading in school actually didn't interest me. Same. And I remember, I think, I think I was like six or seven. And the first, aside from the Bible, because the, cause I, used, I used to read that, I picked up the Bible, I read that from beginning to end. So much so that in primary school and in infants, they tried to put me into like the whole thing where they drew me to be like a an altar boy, and then it sent, and then basically try and make you to become a priest. And my mum found out was like you're, you're crazy. Um, and then but then I remember reading like Flowers in the Attic by Virginia Andrews, and being in a class where the book we were reading was just nonsense, and so I I wouldn't bother reading it. And then it came to like I think like halfway through the term where they got to test your reading. And when they looked at a book level that I was on, because you'd have levels of books, so you'd have to read a book in two weeks, and then you progress to the next book, which is like, you know, a higher level. And then like my teacher called Miss Lampard, who was a crazy woman, you know, got got mad at me, called my mum into, into school. So my mum had to take time off from work and she, I was already in trouble from that. And she was just like, you know, your son's not reading well, he's this, this and that. And she was like, he's, he, all he does is read. And she was like, oh, well, I don't think he does. And she went and picked up a book and said, read this. And I read it perfectly. And, um, and yeah, so like reading just always been part of, part, of, part, of my, part, of, part of my being. So like the Bible, Flowers in the Attic, the Enid Blyton books like you, Bev, I, I breezed through like, you know, toffee, uh, toffee Face, Moonheads. Um, one of my memories is like the, one of the, the, the magic tree where they go into oh, the I magic see. tree house. The magic yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And then like, and one of them, and the guy with the moonhead likes eating toffee. Yeah. And that's how, yeah. Um, I remember having a crush on George. You know what? I've, there's, there's a real, there's a something wrong with me. Like, because <laughs> I remember having a crush on Georgie from the, from the, from the famous five. And when I look back at it, I'm sure Georgie was a lesbian. They never Am I right? Or am I wrong? He was a tomboy. It did. A, t- a tomboy. A tomboy. Yeah. Tomboy. Yeah. Hmm. Tomboy. Tomboy. But, um, but yeah, but I just remember going like, oh, like, like, Georgie's really nice and telling like my cousins, say, yeah, I like Georgie. And they're like, Georgie's like a boy. And I'm just like, yeah, so it doesn't mean anything. But um, but yeah, like, my, those are the first books that I remember reading. And I, I just, I've never really stopped reading, to be honest. So um, anything and everything. Well, did you just say you had a crush on Ace? Yeah. So you you obviously, when you were growing up, you just like strong women. Yeah, 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 really yeah, cool, yeah, yeah, strong women. And that's really cool role models to have, actually, I think. Yeah, 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 strong, yeah, yeah, strong women. 
yeah, that 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 is that is definitely a, a trait that that I do I do have um, in regards to the the opposite sex. But, um, but yeah, I, I think I think it, that that's kind of it, it's interesting. Sorry, Bev, to, right. to cut you, but it's interesting because that's kind of something that we quite a few of us have in our social group now. I think about it, mm. and it it is funny that we 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 have a lot of kind of. Um, we have a lot of kind of socioeconomic things in in common with each other with, mm. within our social group and 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 looking at it now after after hearing Richard talk about it the way that he has it it's just dawned on me that this is something that um, we all have in common and it probably stems from uh, amongst lots of other things that uh, around our background but um, it probably stems from the the reading and the diverse reading as well. And the fact mm-hmm. that we weren't just kind of reading one type of thing. We, we read, you know, various different types of books and it, it goes to show that it's, you know, it, it's not about reading what's on the curriculum, so to speak. Yeah. It's about reading full stop, but it's about yeah. you know, whatever it is that gets a, a young child engaged and gets them reading, then give them, give it to them and let them read and let them, um, you know, build their own um, perceptions and, and, and build their own understanding of the world and let them see, you know, and hear different voices and, and, and different um, characters presented in different ways. And then you, you start to get um, somebody who's more rounded. Whereas if you, you keep trying to dictate to people that they must read this and they must read that, they must read that, they must read that, then you'll have a, you know, it, it almost seems like you have a certain type of person that, that comes out the other end. So, you know, if, if, if you force feed people of mice and men and, and everything like that, and, and th- there's nothing wrong with of mice and men per se, um, but you know, if you keep force feeding people the, these kinds of books, especially young people, then um, you know it's almost like you're trying to shape the, the the minds of these people going forward to mm-hmm. to be a certain way. Whereas when you open their horizons and let them read, you know everything, then you know you're, you're going to end up with somebody who's a bit more rounded. Um, but sorry, Bev, I, I, I cut you no, off. No, no, I was just thinking it didn't do us any harm, did it? It really didn't, and it's no, no, it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, and I, think really, I think it's so important as well to I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to write was to to kind of so that kids would have things to read the way that I did or whether they would get access to them because of the first three books I did are through a publisher that just goes directly into schools so I knew at least that the ideas that I could have in my first three books which are quite strong ideas some of them um, would at least be seen by kids so they weren't just going to be reading what was on the curriculum or what maybe would be a celebrity author's latest book that week or anything like that so the themes that I put in mind were things that I really hope would make them think in the way that when I was growing up I read stuff like uh, John Wyndham and stuff as well as a kid and even if I didn't necessarily understand it I think the themes got into my head I think that's mm. one of the important things about science fiction anyways it obviously it's usually got strong themes and the films I watched were the same as a kid um, and I wanted to do kind of the same thing with that so I had I know one of mine was very dystopian it predicted uh, orange head or, or, sorry, an orange president with yellow hair kind of shutting down the <laughs> be a pandemic on the outside and it was very dystopian very unpleasant right-wing future that we were looking at and then that will happen so mm. um, I did stuff like that I did one that was about homophobia as well and I really wanted to do things that might make kids see a broader picture mm. because mm. I think where we grew up we're lucky I think when you come from London you're so lucky in that sense I grew up in a really diverse community of people from all different walks of life all different religions and opinions I know lots of people since then that haven't had that experience. Um, so I just think with, with reading and with with art in any way, you can 
give a broader picture of things to people that maybe might not always have the same access. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's got very and deep, hasn't it? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no there, there's space I, for that. There's always space for that here, believe me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm literally lying on a couch now, like, you know, as if I'm in the, in the, in the shrink <laughs> office. Yeah. And like, and, and, after, and after what we've just said, I've literally just had to sit down and go like, wait a minute. When I was a kid, I used to fancy Ellen DeGeneres and I also fancied Sandy Todd's but you know what? Let's just leave that for another episode. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, dude, seriously, when I was growing up, my first crush, I always tell people this because he looks like my partner. My first crush was Mark from Battle of the Planets. So he's a oh, cool character. Oh, wow. Because <laughs> <laughs> we all know that Jason was the cool one because he did the disco dance in. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. Him and Han Solo, I'm stuffed. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that is amazing. That is amazing. Um, Rich is a massive Battle of the Planets fan as well. Oh, so, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you two are definitely that, that's another podcast we're going to have to get you <laughs> oh, on. Can for. We do yes. that? Yeah, and have like three scenes of Seven Dark Seven ever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Definitely, oh. definitely, definitely. We need to do a whole. I'm down for a whole episode about our 80s childhood cartoons. Didn't you already do an, an episode about childhood cartoons? I feel like you did. We did, yeah. We did have one um, where we discussed kind of like our, our older um, cartoons, the cartoons that we kind of grew up watching and, and things like that. And um, yeah, I, I even recently, uh, it, was, it was recently as the beginning of the year, I was um, talking on a podcast episode about how I'd gone back to watch some of the the uh, older cartoons that we grew up watching and how you know some of them have aged really well and some of them have aged <laughs> really badly and mm, are a mm. bit rough now <laughs> you look at them and you're like yikes <laughs> that's what I was watching whoa um <laughs> yeah but um but yeah no we did we did do an episode on that so yeah it'll be fun to revisit that I think so yeah we'll definitely um have to do another one um, and we'll drag you in for that one Bev as well yes, oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'll be can I talk about Ulysses and Cities of Gold I'll be really yeah happy. oh my god keep definitely. it coming keep it coming I'm smoking <laughs> a cigarette keep it coming <laughs> <laughs> amazing amazing um uh where were we now we, we uh, on the questions I, I can't even remember now we're having too much fun we're having too much fun you were asking me about the books that I read and we had this whole cool chat about it Ah, uh, yes. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, well, I won't ask you how you progressed into writing professionally, because I think it, um, you kind of explained that already anyway, um, earlier on. So uh, instead, we'll ask, uh, who were your literary inspirations? Oh, um, so who were kind of the, the writers that it kind of inspired you to, to get into writing? And uh, do you have any muses or, or, or anything like that that you use? I love how I'm having a reaction to this question, even though I knew this question was coming, like I wasn't prepared for anything. <laughs> it's so hard because I think it's a bit like, because obviously I'm a huge film fan as well, and I'm a bit like that with directors in that. I change my mind all the time, um, depending on how I feel. So I don't tend to, I think I grew up on stuff like John Wyndham and L. Frank Baum, who wrote all of the different Oz books, and Roald Dahl. I don't know if I'd ever say they were my muses. I think it changes as I'm reading so like I really like Ray Bradbury always like Ray Bradbury always love mm. Stephen King but not all Stephen King okay and there are different periods of Stephen King like the early ones are the best um I think oh yeah 100 percent. yeah his early work is easily the best easily okay um so Rich did you want to hit uh Bev with the next question 
Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. Who are your literary inspiration? No, sorry. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I got caught in a moment there. What is the one book that you wish you could have written and why? Oh, wow. That's a question. I'm trying to think of what I reread all the time. You know what? I'm going to think of, I'm going to tell you two kids' books that I wish my whole life I'd been the one that had written. So, as a kid, my, one of my favorite books was Box of Delights by John Maysfield, which was also a TV show. I wish okay. I'd written that. And I really, really wish that I'd been the person that wrote the, the book version of, what was it, well, rather than the film, what am I talking about? Who wrote the book of The Never Ending Story, which was Michael End, which is a, a much more extended version of, of what you see from that film. The, the film only takes a little bit from it. And they are both absolutely perfect children's books. They're like incredibly perfect. They're just wonderful, wonderful fantasy books. I think they're the kids' books I wish I'd written. If I wish I'd written an adult book, <gasps> there's so many good ones. Do you know a recent one I wish I'd been able to write? Was, um, there's a really amazing horror author called Jason Arnup. Um, you probably heard his name. He's very cool. He's got like a YouTube channel and stuff. Um, he wrote a couple of horror books recently that I wish I'd written. I'm just looking for the title of the one I like best. It's gone right out of my head. That's awful, isn't it? I'm telling you I wish I'd written this book and I can't find the title of the blooming book. It's gone out of my head. Can um, I tell that's, you that? That's, that's always the, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, you can come back to that. You can come back to that. That's fine. Um, Jay, right. is, do you wanna, is, do you wanna, is there one that you wanna, you wish you'd written or, or, and why? Oh, do I need to tell you, oh, I need to tell you why then? So I've completely lost my way for like the past five minutes. I don't know what's going on with me. Right, so the- No, you know, you know, you know we, yeah, we, we, lost, we, lost, we lost the rhythm, we lost the rhythm. Okay, everybody just find the rhythm, find the motivation. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Taking of the arms. Bev, take, Bev, take it away. <laughs> I'm just trying to find the name of this damn book. Oh, thank you. It's right in front of me. I don't know why I just, you know, I have like a pandemic blank then. That's what I'm calling it, pandemic blank. <laughs> um, kids' books that I wish I'd written. The reason I wish I'd written them is because they're perfect. So they have exactly the right level of fantasy and emotion and the story finishes beautifully and they're like note perfect. There's nothing you come away from it thinking, I, want, I, I feel like I didn't get told something or it didn't deliver. So they're perfect for that reason. Jason Arnop's horror books are perfect because they're like a film. So you read them and it's so you can't put them down. It's just like you want to sit there for a couple of hours being immersed in these books as if you're watching one of the best horror films you've ever watched. Um, and he's done two. He did one called The Last Days of Jack Sparks, which is also very, very funny. But the one he did recently was called Ghoster. And I'm not really scared by horror very much anymore. I've watched and read so much horror that it doesn't frighten me. But if a horror book can make me scared, um, then it's done its trick. And that's why I wish I'd written it because there's a scene in it. I won't ruin it for anybody that might want to read it. Um, there's a sequence in it with a hotel and every time I went into a hotel after I'd read this book I was terrified I couldn't sleep genuinely could oh, well. not sleep because I thought this thing would happen to me and I was like what is wrong with me I'm a horror fan I'm a horror writer nothing frightens me this book terrified me so yeah and it's no again note perfect just beautiful dialogue beautiful pace um just lovely lovely writing huge fan of his books oh wow okay. That's nice I wish I'd read and written I think but I kind of feel, I don't know about you guys, but I'm like, every time I see something new that I love, I'm like, that's my favourite thing ever. And I, you know, nothing's yeah. ever going to beat it. And then you see something like, you know, for most of last year, I thought the Endgame was my favourite film in the entire world. And I was like, no, it's not. But it was for last year. <laughs> you know, so I watched it like six times. So, yeah, I just, everything. I, I'm sure there'll be something else that comes out like next week that I'll be like, I wish I'd written that. Mm. I think it's lovely. Yeah, no, I, I, yeah, no, I, I do suffer from that as well, whereas like sometimes it's actually to, the, to, the, to my detriment sometimes, whereas like I find something that I just feel is amazing and like somebody would be like, hey, you know, you should try reading or watching this. I'd be like, is it better than this? And he'd be like, it's different. Be like, no, I don't <laughs> want 
I'll watch, I'm going to watch this film for the next two months, day in, day out. Like, <laughs> did you do that as a kid? Because I did that as a kid. I would watch, I watched like The Lost Boys for the whole summer one year and then Ghostbusters for like another, I just watched it every single day. You, you said as a kid, like, listen. And like, now, and now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a relationship. Yeah, I, I, I still do it now. It's a commitment. Uh, yeah, 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 you do. Yeah, no, you do. You feel, you just feel like connected to it. Like there's certain films, I mean, at one point, a few years back, when the new Sherlock Holmes films came out, the, the you know the one of um Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, like so... I watched it in the cinema, bought it on Blu-ray, and literally I would watch it. I'll just put it on Blu-ray and I'd watch it on repeat. And if I and then I'd turn take that out at some point and I'd put it in Ip Man, and I'd let that play on repeat. And then it got to a certain point, and like the other half was basically going like, "How many times have you watched this?" And I'd be like, <laughs> "Not well, enough." Let's put it this way: I can hear a piece of dialogue, and I can tell you what part of the film we're in. Yep. And I did this for like months until it got to a point and she was just like, well, you're not allowed to watch it. You're a grown ass man. Yeah. We, everybody pays bills in this house, but you are not, you're not allowed to watch it because we don't watch anything. Like I know what's happening in this now and I don't want to know what's happening. I want to be able to have it on and, and make it feel like it's my first time. And I've always been like that with things. Like I'll listen to an album, like, you know, like day in, day out, like the Justin Timberlake's first album, for example, my sister, Will, will be testament to this I listen to that album every day every morning for five years straight and you know like I'm just that like I said I'm, I'm, in, I'm an indulgent person if I find something I like I find it hard to let go so yeah and the first and I know you're saying. Watch it, it's like the first time we'll, like, do you have this ability to like forget it instantly and just rewatch it again because I do that oh yeah, I know yeah it really, easily. my brain fools me it's just like you haven't yeah. seen it <laughs> yeah but it's still great no I'm the same, I'm, the same. So I'm glad it's not just me yeah, I think uh, we've got just a couple of um, more questions to ask you, Bev, on okay. this, and then we'll have some uh, a little bit of fun with some quick fire questions for you. Are you saying the rest of it hasn't been fun? Uh, well, I suppose it's debatable. I mean, no, you're done. You're done. You're done out here, Jason. You're done. You're great. Getting it. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's been amazing. Um, well, we've got to have you back anyway. Yay! Like that, that, that's that's already been established in 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 the uh, first part of this recording. We'll, we'll we'll definitely be having you back on again. I think you'll be one of our recurring guests. Yay! Um, Unless the people start complaining. Yes, but to be honest, our, our fans aren't picky, so um, you know, the, the, the standards aren't high. So <laughs> the, the watermark isn't high, so we're all right. But um, no, we're, we're definitely going to be having you back on again, Bev, no, no question. Um, but yes, as I said, just before we get into the... Oh, you've got to again. Yeah, you've, you've got... Okay, all right. So next question is, what is the one movie that you cannot or you couldn't live without? That's such an evil question. That's so hard. It is, it is isn't it? That's like, that's like saying, which, which one do you love more, your mum or your dad? <laughs> oh, jeez. Um, still, still silence. Still yeah, silence. Exactly. <laughs> There's so many exactly. reasons for that. <laughs> well, Matt, you know what? I think you always have to go on your instinct and you just have to know the film that sits with you like you can give so many different answers and be like well maybe this week it's that one but I think you instinctively always know what your film is and you know what ever since I was 12 my film has always been The Lost Boys and I think I often don't like to say it because people are like oh it's not very highbrow is it especially in like film circles I'm probably supposed to say some massive award winner but that is that is the film that made me want to really start writing when I was a kid so mm. I went and got a book about writing from the library and I sat there and I bashed out a sequel to it and wrote my Lost Boys sequel at 13 
Wow. And get to tell Joel Schumacher, who I met a couple of years ago, that I'd done it. And he told me his version of the second film that he never got to make, The Lost Boys 2. And we had really similar um, ideas for what the film should have been. So we oh, had a that was a world, that was like a big moment. And it's just, very, I think because it was that age, when you're like 12, 13, that's such an important age. And there was a lot mm. going on in my life at the time, like my stepdad had just died. So um, I think you emotionally remember, like you always remember the music and the films you loved around that time. That is, I have, that is my film. Like I've still got a picture on my wall now of Kiefer Sutherland as David in that film, like all these years mm. later. So it has to be that one. I can't pretend it's going to be more highbrow than that. It's just, no, uh, no, no, no. It's like it, it, it is what it is. I, I you know, I think um, it, it, there's no such thing as a movie snob here on, on on this podcast. We like what we like. Um, but yeah, but Lost Boys is, is definitely that's that's easily a classic. I, at some point, um, when you do come back on, I would like to hear your pitch for the for for the sequel and then basically okay. what um, Schumacher would have said as well because um, I, I think he's someone that we didn't really appreciate. I'm not saying that he's an he was like one of the best, but he has done some classics. And I think it didn't really hit home until he passed away. He passed away, what, last year, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the year before, yeah, yeah very recently. Or, or, or the, yeah, very recently. And it's only when he passed away that, you know, you know, sometimes you go back and you look at somebody's CV and you're like, you know what? Like, he actually did some all right stuff, man. Like, you know, yeah. uh, aside from, but people always seem to remember him for like Batman and Robin, or, you know, George Clooney and Schwarzenegger, yeah, yeah. when it's just like, why pick, like, Go, go. I was just thinking, if you remember him for the first half an hour alone of falling down, that is yeah. like a masterpiece in writing yeah, and yeah. directing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's no, 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 definitely. So definitely, when you come back on, we, we need to we need to um, wax lyrical about um, Battle of the Planets yeah. or G Force or Eagle Riders, depending where, depending what generation you're from, or depending what part of the world you're from. But yeah, but we know as Battle of the Planets, um, and yeah, and the sequel to the to the Lost Boys as well. Um, Okay, Jay, what about you? Any any movie um, that you couldn't live without? Um, I'm kind of like you guys where, um, with the earlier discussion, you know, um, I think it was you, Bev, who was saying that, you know, your your favourite book might change, like, from day to day. Yeah. Uh, my favourite movie changes from day to day, even my top ten. Like, I struggle with my top ten because I'll wake up one morning <clears> and say, these ten movies are the movies that I absolutely adore. And then I'll go to sleep and wake up the next day and go, but what about that film? Yeah, no, I need to get that in. So I really struggle with this kind of question. Um, there's so many that that I uh, that for all for different reasons that that I adore. Um, but again, I'm not going to choose something um, highbrow because I think you know there's there's a there's almost a separate space for for that kind of thing. If you're talking about a movie that you can't live without, um, for me, it would probably be Hard Boiled, um, a John Woo movie. Um, starring Chow Yun-Fat and uh, Tony Leung Ching-Wa. And uh, it's from uh, the early 1990s and it's um, uh, a Hong Kong action movie. And it's uh, around a time where uh, Hong Kong cinema was kind of um, starting to create this own subgenre that they called gun fu, which was kind of like just these really heavily stylized gunfights and shootouts. Um, and Hard Boiled for me was just a movie that blew my mind because the the slow motion in it was fantastic. Um, you know the the motifs that that John Woo introduced, the the doves and and the, all that kind of stuff. It just was mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. So, so for me, it would be Hard Boiled. I would have to say would be the movie. Um, Rich, how about you, man? Um, you know what? I I think. It, it, it'd probably be a toss I've got, I've got, I've got a list. I've, I've definitely got a list, but um, if I had to choose 
between the one film that I couldn't live without, I think it would be uh, what? It would be um, uh, maybe the first Star Wars. Maybe the first Star Wars, just because I think that people always seem to forget that George Lucas is from a particular period where the type of films that he made, they don't make that anymore. He's from the same, you know, he's from he's the same, he's from the same class as like, you know, Spielberg, um, Francis Ford Coppola, um, Scorsese. And when you watch the first Star Wars, it has so much in common with cinema that's not from the West and more from the East. And, you know, like he was, he was in, he, he's got a record as saying that he was inspired by Akira Kurosawa. Like, it's just actually a beautiful film to watch. But I think the one film that I definitely couldn't live without, just because I think it ticks every single box for me, would be the first Matrix. First Matrix. It's like, it, it has everything in it. It's, it's a love story. It's an action story. Um, it's a martial arts story. It's a gone through story. There's the philosophical side to it. There's the religious side to it. There's a sociological side to it. And it's got Keanu Reeves, man. Like, you know, and Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne. And, you know, um, who's the guy with the high forehead that plays Agent Smith? I forget his name. Um, uh, Hugh, name? Hugh Weaving. Hugo, Hugo Weaving? Weaving. Yeah, Hugo Weaving, yeah. It's, I think it's just one of those films that just touches everything. And it, it, and it lent a lot, because it came out when I was 20, and I think it lent a lot to me in regards to those building blocks of the person that I am now in where it touched upon the science fiction and the fantasy side of me, where up until that point, it wasn't real. It was still quite a niche market, science fiction. Whereas, like, it was still the thing of like, if you like science fiction, you know, you're a geek, um, or you know, you're a nerd. You're not, not, you're not anything that's popular. And I think that the Matrix did kind of the way how it approached quite a few questions and different genres all in one thing. It did kind of open up the minds of, of people, um, and it also made me take up martial arts. Like, it was martial arts was always something that I wish I, I would I could have taken up. Um, and then watching The Matrix and seeing, you know, Keanu Reeves and everyone else that starred in that film and they didn't know how to do it, it then basically gave me the, you know, the, you know, the kick in the backside to be like, I can go and do it. As opposed to say like watching a film that I love like Star Wars where, you know, Luke Skywalker trains to be a Jedi. But, in a, but I mean, in the long run, you look at Luke Skywalker and you're just like, well, you're destined to be the hero anyway. You're always going to be the hero. You've got it in you. You are, you know, you are the Jedi. So you, you already know how to use the force. Whereas like with, you know, w- with the Matrix, there's almost a bit of like, you anybody can be anything in this world, but you need to go and you need to go for it. So, um, yeah, so that was, that was, yeah, I think it'd be the Matrix j- just for that, just because it ticks so many different types of boxes that people that aren't a film of any of those genres you can easily have a conversation just by just picking one of the topics from that film with anybody that you meet, whether it be, like I said, religion or, you know, film or, you know, you know, sociological aspects or, or sociological conversations and stuff like that. So yeah, The Matrix, The Matrix for me. Yeah, I've said it. Good choice. Awesome choice as always, man. Awesome choice. Ah, and the ice cream van has just turned up as well. Just okay, to, um... 99, please. <laughs> <laughs> do they still do 99? Flakes. No. So. Nope. Okay. No. Nope. I've not had one in so long. I don't. I don't. Were you saying no, Rich? They don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. You haven't had one in so long because they don't cost ninety nine p anymore, bro. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, of course. I guess. Yeah, yeah. I'm not accounting for inflation and all of that, am I? So. It's like, yeah, you'd be like, sorry, sir, sir. Can I can I have a ninety nine p flake? Yeah, two pound fifty. And you're just like, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. <exactly. laughs> 
yeah so true man so true bloody hell that's another podcast we need to get together to do to discuss the 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 um retro ice creams and sweeties and why they're not available <laughs> today because it's depressing me <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm all right at retro sweets we need to talk about that just book definitely. me up yep. for the year i'm happy i'll just be here it's fine yeah definitely <laughs> mate. We'll, 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 we'll be bringing you back no no question no question um all right bev well we'll run through uh some quick fire questions <gasps> with you now um yeah. uh some of these are going to be easy some of these are going to be hard for you maybe um we'll just go with it and, and see you know how how um how uncomfortable we can make you in these you final moments. One <laughs> yep, you've just got to give us. Yeah, the yeah, what's the rule? What's the rule, Jay? Is, is, just is it only answer. one, or can or can she choose both? No, can nope, she can, can choose one. one of each or both? No, nope, just one. one. Good luck, just both. one. <laughs> 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 Evil, I'm coming back. Right, okay. <laughs> All right, hit me with it. Let's All right, it. here we go. So, Bev, got to pick one: Star Wars or Star Trek? Oh no. Oh, Star Wars. Nice. Like, I love Star Trek, but Star Wars more. Cool. Okay. Are we doing one each, Jay, or is it you? Yeah, again? go for it. Okay, horror or sci-fi? Horror. Okay. Every time. Easy enough. <laughs> uh, Smarties or M&M's? Ooh, that's mean. Right. Smarties. Yay. <laughs> I like that answer. Boo. <laughs> uh, bacon butty or sausage sandwich? Oh, that is, that's really unfair. That's worse than Star Trek and Star Wars. Right. Mm. Sausage sandwich. Yeah, there we go. All right. <laughs> you're, you're lucky. You're, you're lucky. You're a fan of Battle of the Planets. You know. <laughs> Never coming back. Okay. Um, Marvel or DC? Oh, that's so hard. Why would you do that to me? Why? At this point in time, Marvel. Okay. But at this point in time, if you'd asked me a few years ago, DC. Oh, okay. That's a, that's a, we're going to keep that on board so that we can uh, bring that up in another podcast with you as well. Okay. Jay, want to do the last one? Uh, favorite doctor? <gasps> I'm not going to get in trouble with this. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, answer carefully. <laughs> oh, yeah, with Doctor Who, that was so different because you have your doctor, that's the one you grew up with. For me, that was Peter Davison, and then you have a favorite doctor. Oh, man. That's so hard. Why would you do that to me? I'm just looking at my little Funkos to see if one of them wants to raise its hand. <laughs> right at this moment in time, I think my favourite Doctor is still going to be... It's always going to be Sylvester McCoy, I think. Nice. Nice. I always nice. go straight back to him. I can't, he's just, he was so brilliant. Yeah. Sylvester, Sylvester McCoy was that... He's that uncle... That you don't see every, you yeah. don't see a lot. But when he comes to your house, he's always got like, "Hey, look at this! Oh, what is that? What's that? Is that a five pound note behind your ear?" And it's like, "Yay!" Exactly <laughs> right. He really was. Awesome, yeah. awesome. And um, last question: Have you met any of your heroes? <gasps> well, yeah. Apart from the Joel Shima con, which we'll talk about another time, um, I go to the BFI a lot, so they often do talks. So you get to actually be around some really incredible people so they've had like uh, michael b jordan there they've had jake gyllenhaal 
But I think the coolest person I ever got to meet there who's a real hero was Guillermo del Toro. Um, and to even get a seat at that was, I, I don't know how I managed to get my seat. I think it would have sold out in seconds, but he hung around and talked to people afterwards. So I had a couple of minutes just to ask him, um, like I just, well, all I wanted to ask him because I was really fangirling and being quite nervous was just like, how would you get a script in front of him? And he said, hold on, no, you must never send me a script. Don't do it because I might steal it by accident. So never do that. And he was like wow. really animated <laughs> about it. And I, it was just really nice of him to do that because he could have just said, well, whatever, just send it to my company or whatever. But he was really quite committed to giving me that answer. Mm. That was a moment. I didn't get along with him. I'd like to have had a lot longer. Um, but it just to actually sit and listen to him for an hour was really quite remarkable. He's so cool. He's so dedicated to what he does. Nice, nice. Wow, that's, that's amazing, that's man. Yeah, 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 totally amazing. He he's, he just seems like a really super cool guy as well. The way he comes across in his interviews and stuff when you see them, he he just seems um, such a fascinating person as well. So um, yeah, that 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 really is amazing that you I got to meet him. He's one of us as well. Like you always get the impression with him that he's just nerding out on stuff even way more than we ever are. Yeah, like, have you yeah, seen the footage yeah. of his house where he's got all these libraries and he has all the props? It's just yeah. incredible. You're like, I want to come and play at Guillermo's house. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, remember, I remember seeing the, the extras on when he directed Blade 2. Mm. And literally, it, that's, that's all he did. All he did was that he was just fanboying over like Wesley Snipes and the character of Blade and the Marvel comics and vampires. And yeah, you, yeah you, you're right. He, he's just one of us. He's like a Kevin Smith. Because yeah. like, you know, like, okay, I, I've done this and I've done that. But what I really want to do is just go into the corner and just talk about yesterday's episode of, you know, Doctor Who or <laughs> something, you know. So, yeah. Oh, that's, that's nice, I man. Blade I want to see Blade 2 again now. And Blade 2 is like, and I'm going to go back to this actually because I know we talked about this before. Blade 2 with like South London and Luke Gossin. Yeah, <laughs> I know that's just that's just just so wild, man. <laughs> that's just so wild. When I saw him in it, I was just like, "Holy crap, it's Luke Goss!" Like, what, yeah. what's he doing here? As well, really good in Hellboy too. Yeah, yeah, he's in Hellboy yeah, too as well. Too. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the thing is, there, there was a little period when he was doing those little straight to movie, straight to DVD action movies. Mm. I'm sure there's one of him and like I think there may be one of him and Steven Seagal or Scott Atkins. But there, there was a point when he was he was kind of getting up there in regards to um being one of those action stars but um I, I don't know what's happened i know that he didn't do release a documentary and they went on like a little bit of a tour or something him and his brother is this why i tell you about or... my funny boss story <laughs> yes yes indeed uh, I, I, your I, funny I think so story. yeah <laughs> <laughs> before, and i feel like it's too funny not to so i go to the bfi a lot and every year i go to the london film festival and i, I love mm -hmm. going to documentaries as well i love them especially if it's a music documentary i love that and I saw that there was a Bross documentary showing at the BFI a couple of years ago at the London Film Festival. And I didn't really, I just booked my tickets. I don't really read much. I always have my one seat right in the middle of the front row. So whatever mm. it is, I'm always sitting right at the front. And I just didn't really read any of the stuff. So I'd been in screenings all day. I'd, I was in like dirty jeans, like had my cup of coffee, like my hair scraped back, looked a total mess. Sat down in my seat in NFT1 and like these three coach loads of really glamorous women turned up. And they were all like really glammed up. And I was like, why, why do I feel like something's going on here that no one's told me? <laughs> gave me a memo. And it turned out that what I'd actually attended was the premiere of their documentary about being in Bros. And nice. I was in a, in a whole of NFT one, which is big with a whole NFT one full of Brossettes. And I was the mm. only one there who wasn't because I wasn't a Bros fan growing up at all. Um, and then the guys from Bros turned up. And they were. They oh, oh, was, it, was it all three of them, or was it just the, the brothers? Oh, sorry, just the twins, not the drummer. So just the two twins. Oh, okay, okay. And um, yeah. 
they came on and did a talk and everything and they I asked a question which I was just, I, I always ask questions at these events because you can learn so much cool stuff about the filmmaking process from the people that are on the stage um I asked them a question and then they came around and met everyone and were like thanks for coming it's really nice to meet you and I was like how do, how do I tell everyone I feel like a fraud I shouldn't really be here I kind of gave like <laughs> a premiere because no one had told me it was a premiere and even the mm. The ushers and stuff were like, no, no, I don't think the, the guys from the band are going to be here. And I was like, oh, phew, that's all right, because I look terrible, you know. Like, who mm. would like that? But no, they were there. And they, the documentary was really cool, actually. It was really interesting. I actually ended up seeing it like three times. And I kind of went into it not being a fan of Ross ever, but always being yeah. a fan of Luke Goss's acting work, actually. He's a really cool actor. Um, yeah. And kind of came out of it going, you know what? I'd take a bullet for these guys. They're really cool. They're, they're really they're just like I think when you're from the area of London that we're from you just you can they're solid they're kind of like that they're just yeah, yeah. as well but yeah I always do very embarrassing things like that I always get myself into a pickle and don't really know what I'm doing <laughs> these events mm-hmm. okay yeah no I actually actually need to watch that documentary I remember when they were when they were talking about it when they were, he was putting on his social media and stuff yeah um yeah, I need to I need to watch it because I think I think it won an award or it was it was it's won quite a few. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's won quite Corden's a few awards. Company. Is what sorry? James Corden's company that made it. Oh, okay, 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 okay. It's very okay, yeah, yeah. It's very smart filmmaking. Okay, yeah, I need to yeah, I need to I need to get a copy of that because I I was a Bruss fan growing up. Were you? Um, yeah, yeah, I was a yeah, I was a Bruss fan. Yeah, I was a Bruss fan. Um, yeah, like um, I, I was obviously. I, I mean, I don't remember who. So I think Luke was the Luke was the singer. I prefer the singer. No, I prefer Luke the main the one. Luke's the drummer. Was Luke a drummer? Okay, so, so okay, so I, put, I like Matt then. Like I, I remember the whole thing of him like doing this the concert, then getting on stage, pulling down his trousers, the Union Jack boxer shorts, the bottle caps on the boots. Like I, I remember all of that. Like I remember like you know walking around singing I owe you nothing and um drop the boy and all of that stuff. Yeah, I was a I was a fan, man. I was a fan. So um. But yeah, like because I because I know that the, the third member um well, doesn't doesn't he do he's quite successful in the music industry now where he I think he actually deals with a lot of art, artists right yeah. or something like that yeah Craig right yeah because yeah 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 Craig yeah because because I'm sure Craig was actually the person who was behind Robbie Williams' career when it was doing well not say that Robbie Robbie Williams isn't you know doing well now but I mean like you know there was one point when Robbie when, Rob, when Robbie Williams was just killing it but I'm sure that Craig was his manager or Craig was manager for somebody else but quite a few famous artists um because he'd see him at like some of those Brit Awards like he'd always be in the crowd and I was like oh so he he's actually done quite good for himself yeah. but yeah but yeah but Luke yeah but Luke was the dude man he was he was the dude so yeah I was a fan I was a fan so funny see I wasn't because I was the right age but I was getting into like heavy rock and stuff at that point so I kind of went new kids on the block to faith no more in about five minutes <laughs> yeah I was a new kids fan as well oh, I, met, <laughs> I met new kids I met them when I was 12 you remember the Docklands arena that used to be there yeah yeah I went to yeah. the Docklands arena and we met them afterwards and I cried all over Donnie Wahlberg like I literally <laughs> all over him and was like I'm gonna love you until my dying days Donnie and now I'm like do I still love him because I think he's a Republican so I probably wouldn't oh geez look at that man see I, I was a, I was a Jordan I was a, like number one he had the coolest name his name was Jordan Knight and, yeah. he, and he was just like and he had that little ponytail thing and he, and he danced like Michael Jackson. I was like, yeah, this guy's a dude, man. <laughs> I got told off for touching that ponytail. I got told off by a security guard for actually like grabbing his ponytail. See, well, you're a stalker, man. <laughs> I was like 12. I, I just thought I was going to grow up and marry them. I didn't, I, you know, I never thought I'm going to go be an author. I was like, I'm definitely going to grow up and marry Donnie Wahlberg. 
<laughs> haven't. I mean, you can still ask if you want. Nice, okay. nice. Yeah, no, that was. Um, I, I was just enjoying you guys' uh, anecdotes about um, <laughs> Ross and yeah, and you kids on the block and all of that. I I was uh, never into like bros really or new kids on the block for that matter <laughs> I just I think to be honest where music was concerned by the time I hit about 12 was when I first got introduced um to uh rap and hip-hop and specifically oh. kind of like New York hip-hop like the boom bap sound so as soon as I heard that there was nothing else for me that I was interested in I was done so, um, yeah, for me, I, I couldn't really relate to the, the Jordan Knight and the Bross stuff, unfortunately. But um, no, that was really cool. That was really cool, man. That, that was really cool to hear you guys' stories there. All I right. Well, when I were at school, we would have been friends. Totally, totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. easily, oh, easily. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> easily. Because the thing is, by that time as well, I was starting to read comic books, so people were starting to look at me like I was crazy. Um, so I would have kind of been, I, I would have stood out because I would have been the, the, the dweeb in the class, really, um, <laughs> at that point. So, so yeah, you wouldn't have had any difficulty um, finding me, and, and um, I, I didn't have a lot of friends either, so... Yeah, it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been difficult to to uh, make my friendship. To be honest, it would be like, um, oh, you breathe and you're looking at me. Do you want to be my friend? Okay, <laughs> let's go. I think it's really tough then for us as well because you know when we were kids, being nerdy really wasn't cool. So like, I would be the yeah, little no, kid in the wasn't. playground that really loved Star Wars, but all the other girls liked My Little Pony. Mm -hmm. Like I like My Little Pony too, but I loved. I had my Star Wars figures, not My Little Ponies. So yeah. Yeah, no. Oh, you're a kid and you're nerdy. I think now it's much more acceptable to be nerdy. I mean, maybe it's not. I don't know any kids of that age right now, but I think it's probably a bit cooler to be nerdy these days. And gaming, certainly, no. when I was a kid, I gamed and other kids didn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's I, one I, of the I things... Not... Sorry. Yeah, sorry, Rich. Uh, but no, I was going to say, I mean, it's one of the, the, the things that, um, you know, I am always kind of thankful for now um, is, is that, you know the things that that we loved uh growing up as kids uh, have become a part of of popular mainstream culture and, and have made um you know liking these things accessible and cool um and i always give thanks for for it because it means for this generation they don't have to feel ostracized for for liking the things that they do which was something that that you know as as you said bev was um something that was very commonplace in in our generation so you know, I'm always grateful that um, we have the MCU and we have, you know, um, gaming culture and we have esports and we have, you know, all of these things that that are, um, as said, are within popular culture. Um, and it's amazing to see how kind of geek culture is shaping, you know, not just entertainment, but fashion and, yeah. you know, philosophy and, you know, people can study degrees on the philosophy of the matrix and, and things like that. You know, it, it's, it's crazy to see how the, the world has, um, you know, kind of finally shifted and yeah. accepted that, um, you know, these things are, are flipping amazing and, um, you know, and everybody should be involved in them. So um, yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely cool. I mean, it's it's why we're here, <laughs> you know. It's, it's why we have yeah, a podcast because, yeah. um, you know, these things are are, are now something that that people are are interested in. Um, you know, and it's it's funny. A guy who um, used to bully me at school, um, he and I 
started talking again really only about a year ago or a year and a half ago um and he used to bully me quite badly uh, th- this was when i was like sort of in um year eight year eight year nine and i used to like be hiding my comic books in my in my um maths book and stuff like that and reading it in the middle of class because I, I just couldn't get on with the teachers but um you know he, he used to bully me a lot and then he contacted me uh, as said about a year and a half ago um, and he and I started chatting and then he messaged me one day and he was like, oh, yeah, I remember you were into all of this. Um, you're into like kind of all the Spider-Man and all of that, weren't you? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, are you still into it? And I was like, yeah. He's like, my kids have been asking me all this stuff about this thing and I don't know what it is. Like, could you tell me, like, what, what's it about? Like, what, what, what's, what is the MCU and, and what are these? And then me and him had, ended up having this long, long conversation about it and you know and I can't lie part of me was like yeah you see the worm has turned now (laughs) (laughs) before I was weak but now I have power (laughs) and now you come to me now you come to me (laughs) but on the other hand I was like you know this is this is so cool man like this is you know as said um somebody who frankly made my life a bit of a a, a bit miserable and a bit of a, a bit of hell uh, for a year and a half at school um, and now you know the, the the two of us are here talking about the the thing that I love and and he's um you know appreciative of it so that's really nice actually yeah that, just, like maybe he understands mm, it better now mm, mm. so yeah. yeah you know hopefully that that um that little interaction has gone some way to to, to change in the world so um you know Stan Lee and, and Steve Ditko and and you guys, you know, your your legacy is is living on in um, the way that we we help to uh, kind of heal wounds and communicate better with each other. So, you know, there you go. Right, that was a, a really contrived ending there to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know why, but um, yeah, that that that's pretty much it. So, Bev, thank you very very much uh, for joining us. Um, as said, you are most definitely going into the uh, podcast hall of Dungeon. fame for Wulong. <laughs> oh no, you're going into the hall of fame podcast. <laughs> definitely, um, okay. you are, will be one of our recurring guests. Um, we will be delighted to have you back. As, as said. It looks like there's a heck of a lot of other stuff that, that we can talk about. Yeah, I mean, I so, wouldn't talk um, about anything. Mm. But I think it comes from being that kid, like you were just saying, like when we were kids, nobody would talk to us about it. I think just my cousin and I were the only people we knew that were into like V and Star Wars and stuff like that. So mm. you have a lot of like 40 years of pent up stuff. You're like, right, now you're going to listen to me, people. Now you're going to talk to me. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You're going to sit there and listen and you're going to like it. <laughs> you're going to think about our whether you like it or not exactly exactly but um yeah as said bev welcome back on the show anytime at all um absolutely anytime at all uh before we go could you let people know where they can find you on social media and more importantly where they can buy your books that's the important bit right i've got to learn to do this plugging thing um (laughs) i am on instagram and twitter under baviathan so i'm really easy to find um and my books you can get um my teenage books you can buy direct from badger learning or you can get them from any online book seller i have to be careful which ones i say and the doctor who ones even easier they're available from any bookstore um usually that stocks doctor who and definitely online at all the big ones like waterstones foils all those guys as well and i think i don't think they're all available for audio yet but they're definitely definitely available in um hardback and paperback 
Amazing, amazing. Thanks very much, Bev. Um, yeah, I guess we've got to call it a day now. Um, I'm going to have super fun editing this one, I think. But, <laughs> but we'll see. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I mean, maybe the Dalek sound um, will, will uh, stay in there just to, to keep in theme with uh, our, our guest here today. But um, Rich, where can people find you on social media, man? Instagram under Rich Reviews and Rich Reviews on Twitter as well. And you can also find me on the new Instagram page. Like I said, I'm doing a new Geeking Out um, podcast with Alvin and it is called Danger underscore Room underscore Analysis. An underscore isn't written, it's actually the underscore thing. So Danger Room Analysis. Cool, 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 cool. Wicked. And make sure you do go and check out the Danger Room Analysis uh, podcast listeners, actually. It's a lot of fun. Um, it really is. Uh, I know, Rich, you already explained before um, what the, the podcast is about, but just for the benefit of people who haven't heard it yet, do you mind just briefly kind of explaining what you and Alvin are doing? Yeah, so basically we just get some of our, like our favourite action scenes, fight scenes from any form of geek uh, medium, whether it be comic books, films, computer games, books, uh, television and we just uh, just talk about it and just say uh, you know just explain the reason why we love it so much and or why we may love it because it's so bad and you know whatever we you know whatever trivia we may know behind it and um there's also a few artists that have started doing the verses so um basically what we do is that we kind of do like a fake prelim and basically a breakdown of that actual fight that that happens when a vote's been given as well um so yeah go check us out and, um, and while you are here, I'm going to do a little plug for one of the reasons why we actually started that, that podcast. And it's uh, someone's Instagram page called Rodrigo.Lorenzo.Art. So go take a look at that and then go take a look at Danger Room Analysis. And that should give you a bit more depth as to what we're trying to do. Awesome. Awesome. All right, listeners, uh, before we go, um, we're just going to do a quick happy birthday shout out to uh, our good friend and listener, JT. Um, happy birthday, buddy. Um, and Nazia. And to Nazia, yes, of course. We can't forget our good friend Nazia as well. So happy birthday to her happy too. Happy birthday, Nazia. Happy birthday, Nazia. Lovely. Um, and uh, thanks as always to Rob Wade from Emotionally 14 uh, for supporting the podcast. Um, Emotionally 14 is a podcast network where you can check out lots and lots of other geek podcasts like ours, um, covering everything from Star Wars to video games, you name it, they, they've got it covered at Emotionally 14. So uh, pop along to emotionally14.com and check them out uh, to see some really cool podcasts like ours. Right, that is it. We are out of here. Uh, I am going to say goodbye. So it's goodbye from me. Rich, say goodbye. Goodbye. And Bev, say goodbye. Goodbye. And we will see you again on the next one, everybody. Take care, stay safe. And we'll see you again soon. Peace. Thanks for listening to us. If you're down with Wulong Talks, show some love by following us on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram at Wulong Talks. You can also find us online at www.wulongtalks.com or drop us an email at wulongtalkspodcast at gmail.com. We can also be found as part of the Britpod Scene Collective and we're also officially E14 endorsed. Search for those hashtags to enjoy more content from us and from other great British podcasters. 